I'm Natalie Mills. And I'm Sarah Stark, returning to, as co-host. <laughs> Yay! And you are listening to The Lumpy Mother, the podcast where we show up for our kids by showing up for ourselves. We are not experts. We're just two best friends and moms who love learning and laughing together. I have two kids, a one-year-old son and an, a three-year-old daughter. And I have four kids, an eight-year-old daughter, and three sons who are eight, six, and two. So if you want to know, you are definitely not the only parent who didn't realize uh, what it was like (laughs) to sit still for more than a day until you had your gallbladder out. (laughs) Then you have come to the right space. The way this works is each week, Natalie and I will have a yes, a no, and a hello for the week, or in other words, something good, something bad, and something random that has to do with what's on our minds after another week surviving parenthood. Sarah and I have a feeling you'll be able to relate to our experiences. And if you can relate, if you can't relate, we want to hear what you think. Tell us. Email us at lumpymotherpodcast at gmail.com. We would lo- we love hearing from you. Yeah. All right. Do you have any rewinds, Sarah? I have it's a been few so since it's long, been a while. I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'll try to make them quick, but I think they're pretty good. Um, so in our uh, interview with Kelsey, she talked about the expectation to be more than human. And we put this mm-hmm. on ourselves. Kind of goes hand in hand with perfectionism, too. And uh, especially in relation to my body, it just kind of dawned on me that well, yeah, how on earth, why on earth do I think my body is going to go back to the way it was before the baby? How is that even a goal? That goal Mm -hmm. is not even possible. And so that like redefining of my bodily expectations has really helped me a ton. Um, And it it was just been like a huge uh, thing for me, just like, of course my body's different. Why would I think it wouldn't be? Yes. And I think we get the cultural idea that after like five or six months, you're supposed to have lost the baby weight or at least be on your way, Mm-mm. et cetera, et cetera. No. I, I mean, even no. if you lose weight or whatever it is, your body, well, it's not, it's impossible after all that it's done. And yes. I think re- realizing that it's not just uh, hard to do, that it's impossible to do has been mm-hmm. huge for me. So that's one that's rewind. Awesome. And then another one I have is, so we had uh, in a previous episode, we talked about how texts are long conversation. There's the mom code that if you don't get back to someone oh, right yeah. away or you don't get back at all, totally cool. But my mom was listening to that episode. She's like, unless it's your mother. <laughs> so, And I'm going to go with this because that's so totally true. Don't freak out your mothers. And then our children are not allowed to freak us out when they get to texting age. Definitely. Yeah. I am fully on board That's with that hilarious. exception. <laughs> I know. And then my last rewind is that another correction for my mom, because she's been out here helping uh-huh. me because I'm recovering from having my gallbladder removed. <laughs> um, 
but she also said, so a couple of episodes ago, I said, if I could go back in time to meet a member of my family, oh. I'd meet my great grandmother. Oh, yeah. And I also kind of did a bad, had a bad dig on farmers. Absolutely respect farmers. What hardworking, good people who help us all eat. Very necessary. Yes. <laughs> Very important. Um, okay, but not all of my family was just farmers. Um, for example, my great great grandfather came over from Norway on a boat. Wow. And then he became a farmer. <laughs> so wasn't Bell Gunnis Norwegian? I don't know. He came over in a boat and then settled in South Dakota. And I know a lot of Scandinavian people settled in the South Dakota, Minnesota, kind of Midwestern areas. But she was. I just I just Googled it real quick. Are I you equating Bill yeah, Gunnis, the serial killer, to no. my great-great-grandmother? <laughs> no, but it's interesting <laughs> they because each other. I bet... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so if you're not from the area that Sarah and I are from, I would, um, Belganis is our local um, famous serial killer from the yeah. 1800s. But it, I was just thinking like, okay, if it was your great, great grandfather, it may, it was yeah. probably around that same time period. It probably so, was. But then yeah. I forgot that they didn't, they, they are not, your family's not originally from Laporte. And so um, anyways, oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. really a sidebar nation. That's that's the only reason I thought I don't. My, my brain no. is like constantly thinking about weird things. Dark. Okay. Anyways. Yeah. That was a great. That's a great point, though. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry. No, it's all good. You know what? I'm fascinated by serial killers as well. All right. I have um, one rewind. So a yes. while ago, I talked. I mentioned Bluey as one of yeah. our favorite TV shows right now. It's on Disney, um, and then we watch it on Disney Plus because we don't actually have TV stage, like channels anymore. Same here. Mm-hmm. And d- the season two of Bluey came out this weekend, and for my kids, they behaved as if it was Christmas morning, and I am not exaggerating <laughs> that at all. They were so excited, and. I just need every TV show for kids at the like because Charlie's two and he loves it because it is oh, very yeah. simple and it's graphics and even it's ideas good. and things like that. I need every TV show to just be exact the same formula that Bluey does it. The ne- this season is even more hilarious than the first one. Yes, But they approach things like talking to your kids about hard stuff or what like when parents get angry with their kids so it's not just about the kids seeing this family have so much fun I love watching it with them and I walk away thinking like I love how the mom responded to this tricky situation there are two episodes in particular I'm going to get the names and send them to you you have to watch them the first one is it's a nighttime episode, so, like, everyone's sleeping, but, of course, both of the kids end up in the parents' bed. My kids, I thought they were going to pee their pants. They were laughing so hard. And you can tell the people that write the show are parents because of the things yes. that happen. You only understand if you have kids crawling into your bed at a certain point of the night. It was it was just, it was beautiful. And then there's another one. This one touched me so deeply it's them it's the mom and the two kids trying to leave the house (laughs) and Uh, it is it's just written in the most amazing way and 
this and it's one of the only times of all of the episodes. The first season is like 40 some episodes. And it's one of the only times I've ever seen the mom character get a little bit frustrated. But the way that she handles herself, it it was seriously like a lesson in how you deal with your kid's brain in moments of stress. It was amazing. Yes. So Ugh, it was entertaining. So my, good. Go Bluey. My, I know. I'm seriously. I'm just. We love it so much. So that was my up. My rewind was that um, season two is out. We are about nice. halfway through it. The episodes I think are less than 15 minutes long. They go so fast. So we can. We I watch love. Quite that's a few another great. Down. To their yes. the way they have it formatted. Yeah. Just quick, fun. Yeah. Relatable. So we have a listener email from a dear friend of mine named Jen. Hi, Jen. And she wrote in. It was really sweet. She says, hey, ladies, I'm finally caught up on all the episodes. Yay. Love hearing your takes on motherhood and your experiences. I listened on a plane a few months ago and got some funny glances from my fellow passengers as I would suddenly audibly laugh out loud. (laughs) I could totally relate to the episode where you talked about how Nick couldn't identify whose clothes are whose. I literally just found a pair of Henry's pants in Charlie's drawer, the two-year-old's drawer, um, just this week. And, And you had to remember what size clothes and shoes everyone was currently wearing. Before becoming a mom, I didn't realize how much of my brain space would be taken by things like making sure my kids' clothes fit and having their next wardrobe next size wardrobe stocked and ready for that one day to come when nothing fits them. Then there's the twice per year day long event of swapping out this size for that size, trying everything on and making room in their closets and drawers. I don't know any dads who take on this function in their family. Definitely one of the areas I feel underappreciated as a mom. Keep up the great episodes, Jen. And mm-hmm. I thought this was sweet. So, uh, Jen, I hear you and you're so totally right. Yeah, so, it's anyways. interesting. I was just um, looking at a survey that was on. Uh, mom influencers Instagram and she asked a lot of questions yeah. that talked about the mental load and she didn't really say it was the mental load but she asked questions that definitely were and one of them was um, who in your family makes the doctor's appointment mom or dad mm. 96% of however many respondents she had so definitely not scientific survey 96% of the moms make the appointments and then it was I'm saying with who does most at the laundry who does um Loads of dishwasher. You know, some of them were more split. Like cooking is a little more split. Uh, laundry was a little more split. But the other one was clothes. And the other mm-hmm. one, that was like way majority um, moms. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was um, like less signing up for lessons and any mm-hmm. school related functions or school papers yes. or summer camps. By far, yeah. women. And I'm sure this is a blend of working moms and stay-at-home moms. Because, um, again, yeah. as a stay-at-home mom, I do think some of this is definitely more my my responsibility because my whole job is taking mm-hmm. care of the kids. Not that I can do all of this on my own, but with a, a working yeah. moms, too, taking on this load times, you know, majority mm-hmm. is just, it's so much. All right. All so, right. I'm going first. What's your yes? Guess what? I have two yeses this week. <gasps> I'm changing oh, even it up. though you had to have essentially emergency surgery. Oh, I could have gone through have... many no's. 
I had. I'm no... so proud of you, though. <laughs> Thank you. You know, hard situations. I am not taking away from the fact that they are hard. I had gallbladder mm-hmm. surgery. Okay, let's just go through a few of like the general no's real quick. Yeah, <laughs> that were very <laughs> before challenging. we get to the yeses. Yeah. So, oh uh, gosh. It was a Mother's Day weekend, and my husband hurt his shoulder so bad he couldn't move it. Yes. And we were out at the coast, so vacation rental, and my parents were in town for the first time. So at least I had family support, but mm-hmm. solo parent, and then solo parenting when my parents went back the whole time because he hurt his shoulder so bad. Thankfully, mm-hmm. his shoulder recovered just in time for me to get my gallbladder removed. <laughs> uh, and then my mom, for oh, thank goodness, was able to come out again. Um, yes. But... You know, surgery is scary. An organ is removed. The recovery's been longer than I expected. So I'm not saying yeah. this wasn't hard, but I am saying I think that the contrast when things are really hard make the good things that much better sometimes. Mm-hmm. And my first yes is family support. I don't know how any of this would have been possible without my mom. So this is just, yeah, uh, I got the chills. Just her coming out. She basically... Yeah filled my role for the past week i i don't know why i had it in my head oh two three days i'll be back up going no problem no sarah Mm -hmm. you had an organ removed from your body it's gonna it's gonna be a little while that hurts um you know and i'm still not back up to par i still can't really pick up my son and i shouldn't be until i Mm -hmm. you know um but yeah i mean she's been here and she's got to be exhausted i mean just not having built up that endurance over time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my son's oh, 22 absolutely. plus pounds. Evie's 36 pounds. And everything. She's up with Franklin at six. And, you know, uh, of wow. course, Ben's doing as much as he can, but he's working. And yeah. he has to work during the day. And I've taken over his office. So he's working where he can. And mom, all the moms out there who do this, thank you. We couldn't do it without you. Mm-hmm. I just, I wish I, you know, I, I know that she does it and she would do it anytime because she loves us, but it's like, you kind of just want to be able to pay her back, but you can't. So yes. I just shower her with thanks. Yeah. Um, and you yeah. even talked about like letting your mom do the bedtime routine and just following her like a yes. fifth crit kid. Well, that's yeah. kind of what I feel <laughs> yeah. like. I'm like, I'm just watching my mom do all this work and it's so much work. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I don't know. I can't help. I can't right? help you. I just have to sit here. Isn't that it hurts? I actually had to go it's back upstairs weird. to rest because I was doing oh. too much. I had to leave. I'm like, I, ha- I can't, I can't have to let my body heal. But what were you saying? No, I first, I'm really so proud of you because you are prioritizing your health when you. it can feel really hard to do that. Asking for help when you are usually the person that is in charge 100% of the time is mm-hmm. so hard because you have to let go of not only of a lot of control, but there is a lot of guilt that comes with it something like that. a lot of control that. too, yes. And so and not only... Yes. So not only just like asking her to come and stay with you for a week, even though I know that that had to be the solution for you having surgery, but then asking her to stay a few extra days. I just that is huge that you did. And that that. was the hardest part was I was like, I'm not going to be able to lift up Franklin Mm -mm. by Monday on my own. I forgot about Memorial Day weekend. I actually asked her to stay a couple more days. And yeah, no, I don't know. I think pre Sarah. Pre-Sarah me? 
Does that make sense? Pre, <laughs> pre all the growth I've done, I've worked on myself so much. I think I would have toughed it out and let her go because I don't, I yeah. didn't feel like I should ask her. But I was like, you know what? I I need more. I do. I need this. I know yeah. that she would want to help me, and it's a lot to ask. It's weird that like um you feel because I do this with my mom too when I have to ask for like favors almost I feel guilty or if it's going to be because she watches my kids every other week when I go to work on Tuesdays like one day a week and um, if it's a really long day or if there's like a sporting Mm -hmm. event or something I always feel super guilty about it for some reason and then I realize okay I have a daughter and I would absolutely fly across the country for my daughter if she had to have surgery and take care of her kids and spend time with your grandkids she loves being with them I mean still it's still a lot like but it is but I bet that this is probably the most time she's ever spent with them right because this is two weeks now in the last month especially Franklin I mean she only saw him once after he was born for that whole year and it was such a trying year so there is I mean yeah I'm sure she's also Mm. totally loving it but um, it is so hard though and also I think as moms we know how hard and how much work it is I don't think anyone can really know how hard it is to be a stay-at-home mom until you do it. And so just watching mm-hmm. someone working that hard on your behalf, it's just a difficult thing. Um, but at the end of the day, all I know is my heart is just so full of gratitude that this is even possible. Yeah. I can't imagine if I had to have this surgery in the middle of COVID, Ben would have had to take off work for like at least a week. Oh, absolutely. And then he would have had a solo parent. That's the one reason, because when we talk about like, okay, there are a lot of things to love about our town and our area. We're close to Chicago, close to Lake Michigan, but there are also other wonderful places to live. And with Nick being in education, there is a chance that he could get a job anywhere if we really set our mind to it. Yeah. But the big reason that we just can't convince ourselves to leave is because of family support. hundred percent. I oh, can't yes. imagine not having my mom and even my sisters, you know, around when it's things like um, we need help with something or even um, we'll go to the in the summers. We go to the beach a few times a week and we just send texts in the morning. Hey, we're going to be here at this time. You know, being able to have that kind of like easiness of gathering. I don't know. I think yeah, we take and also it for just a backup. If anything close. goes off, yes. you have, I don't know, how four, five, three, four people yeah. you can call. And if you're mm-hmm. in a pinch, that's right there. Absolutely. You know? Well, yeah, and I'm so thankful Nick's... we moved closer to my brother in Portland because with COVID, I mean, yes. who would have saw that coming? Mm-hmm. He was the one Absolutely. who stayed with our, my daughter, Evie, when I was in the hospital giving birth, you know, and oh, I was yeah. pregnant before COVID hit and then ended up giving birth during COVID. So mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, family support is everything. And I think I maybe almost took it for granted, but you can't realize the extent you're grateful for something until a pandemic hits and you're like oh I don't even have that as an option anymore um because when we moved out here I was like well you know I'm really fortunate enough how I justified leaving that family support even though I love and I'm pretty close with my parents was well I'm we're fortunate they have they're able to visit you know they have the means that they Mm -hmm. can fly out a couple times a year we have the means we can fly back uh, a couple times a year and then a pandemic hits and that just changes yeah. everything 
everything I mean, as as does. all families are feeling felt in this last year. Um, and I forgot how many mm-hmm. times she came out when Evie was first born. I mean, at least three, four times, oh. you know, when yeah. Ben traveled. So I didn't have to solo parent with mm-hmm. um, a colicky baby. Just amazing. Yeah. So thank you, Mom. That was a good one. Yeah. All right. <gasps> you ready? Yes, I love this one. <laughs> My Especially guess it's is a little you. bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a little bit ruthless, my guess is. Mm -hmm. So my guess is um, beating your children at board games without remorse. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure you have the opposite of remorse. You're probably like, oh, yeah, mama wins. Okay. So my favorite game of all time is called Dutch Blitz. (laughs) And it's a card game. And I love this game because I have a lot of emotional connections to this game. My mom had this super old deck. The cards were so soft because they had been played with. The box was velvet on top. It was red. It had gold. I can picture it in my head. But we loved Dutch Blitz. And it was something that my... Because... I think I like it so much because I my family is Dutch. We are ex- mm-hmm. my grandma, my Nima is mm-hmm. a Veldier. Uh I mean like we're just a very Dutch family. My mom my mom's mom, my grandma played it. Like she remembers her playing it growing up. So it just uh, feels like it. that's like Uno for our family. We still have the same deck yeah. and it's huge and it's all <gasps> bent and it's uh yes. yes. It's Dutch Blitz is a game where you play rounds and you get points at the end of the, every round. So you can choose how long you want to go for. So like on average you might get between five and twenty points a round. And so my sisters and I, especially in high school, would be like, let's play to a thousand. <gasps> that's <laughs> awesome. See? That's like when I first like... the first night you taught me. Dutch Blitz yes. is because all right, I love this story so I'm going to tell it really quick I had too much tequila with Natalie this is pre-kids and we went yeah, out with a this friend was a long time ago. and then I was like Natalie I can't drive home and she's like well I guess you can come to my family reunion <laughs> and I'm tipsy on tequila and I'm like okay you so, make it sound like I was like like doubtful about it but I think I was more like oh my gosh you should come to my family reunion with oh, me it was so fun <laughs> You probably were, but I guess I felt maybe I'm um, like applying it, projecting it on you because I felt so intrusive. Like, okay, you're just bringing your drunk friend here because she can't drive home. Yeah, so I did teach you Dutch Blitz, and then you cracked me up because you were like, "I'm forcing Ben to play with me so that I can get better for the next time." That we and then I beat you because I yes, Ben and did. I practiced so much for years. I've been trying to get my kids to play Dutch Blitz with me, yeah. and um, and part of it, it's a very fast moving game, and so it and it has a few concepts to it so it is a little bit hard to get pick up when they're eight years old but this weekend I tried again I was like do you guys want to play Dutch Blitz with me and so Henry and Ava agreed and both of them ended up crying and Nick was like (laughs) Nick was like you have to stop doing this to them and yourself (laughs) but that's hilarious especially knowing I mean you are very intense. You stand I, up well, over the board, the cards yeah. on the table <laughs> with this intent glare. And I if you do. did that to your poor children, yeah, of course. No, yeah, I they totally, cried. I tone it down for my kids because I want them to. It has to yeah. be slow enough that they can feel like they're playing. If yes. I'm playing against my sisters and my mom, it's ruthless. But with my kids, <laughs> but no, they. I mean. Yeah, Henry ended up in his room crying. Ava, I mean, it was just like everyone ended up 
I'm crying. But for Christmas break this last year, we started this new tradition that I think we're going to do for the rest of our lives called um, Family Board Game Olympics. And so for the two weeks of Christmas yes. break, oh, I love that. we mm-hmm. get out every board and card game as long as it's ages eight and up, because Harrison usually just pairs up with Nick. And oh, um, and then yeah. and so we and we would keep track of points. First place was five points. Second place was three points, whatever. So fun. And um, and so and it keeps going. Right. And when we were in Nick has a really Nick's best friend um, is super into board games like he loves to make he's so creative he loves to make his own board games and card games it's really fun oh that's neat and so we were talking to them through the in the middle of this and they were he asked who was winning and I said well Nick and I are first and second right now and he had this like comment like that was so ruthless of us to like take first and second place and in my head, I was like, I would have never even considered like lo- purposely losing to my children yeah. <laughs> for any reason. And I part don't of lose. it for me, no. Well, it's it is a little bit of that, especially like we had to no. take Dutch Blitz off of the list because Nick was like, it's just not fair to the rest of the family <laughs> if we put this on there because it's a fact that no one will be able to beat you. But. Um, we, I think we had probably sixteen games on the list. We have, a, we love That's board cool. games, so we do. Yeah. We we played a lot of really fun uh, ones. But so fun. Um, uh, but I just, I was like, I would never let my kid beat me on purpose. Um, I think because, and part of it for me is that once they do start to beat us. The the pride that's there is so much more genuine, <gasps> yes. you know. So, so my my grandma boss, which is my mom's mom, she was notorious for being for beating us at games. She loved she Have... loved to play cards. Like I said, my my mom has memories of her getting together with aunts and whatever else to play games and so I played a lot of card games with my grandma boss and she did not care how old you were she would beat you no matter what and so when you would beat her it would there would be so much pride my grandma on my dad's side we call her Nima she's that way with checkers she's like the checkers champion and so um and and it she was so notorious for this that when she wasn't I was in college when she died and one cousin from each sibling kind of like spoke a little bit at the funeral and I talked about how she would be every she didn't care yes. she beat you like it didn't matter how small you were she it's would great beat you lesson. at four games yeah yeah and so that's how like I'm I'm the same way I'm not gonna let my ch- I'm not gonna lose on purpose to my children part of it no. yes is definitely pride but part of it is also the fact that like I want them to feel like they have earned and deserve that's the pride that will that. come for them so yeah. then I looked it up because I thought well listen I'm twisted in a few ways so there's well, also, definitely I think a chance kind of dishonest if you lie. Oh, right. And I hated yes. when people would purposely lose to me. I was like, that's not winning. That's like no. me. That's like you taking pity on me. That's not a good feeling. You know? And that's also the same thing. I do not cheat at board games. And I get super yes. offended if people um, try and tell me that I've cheated because I want to beat you fair and square. I don't have yeah. pride if I beat Why you because you... I cheated at it. So I looked it up because I was worried that like 
I mean, I wasn't, no matter what the internet said, I was probably not going to change. But it's good to have a little backup. Nice to be curious. What what do other people think about this? And I actually found two articles. Um, One was called Why It's Good to Beat Your Children at Board Games by Brad Tuttle. And the other one was an article by the Wall Street Journal called Should You Let Your Child Win at Monopoly? by Nina Salvich. And the Wall Street Journal one, because I don't have an, a um, subscription, I could only read the first three sentences. But here's the summary of those sentences. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Losing losing at games can teach your children how to recover from failure. It, the summary yes. was essentially don't throw games against your kid, especially if they're over the age of four years old. So, yes. so there's that. But this other article, Why It's Good to Beat Your Children at Board Games, which said, if you don't um, put at board games just says why it's okay to be teacher. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that's my yes, where my exactly. thoughts go. <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> yeah. And that's so- why we're friends. <laughs> So um, it said psychologists say that even in some seemingly silly game of sorry, there are big lessons to be learned in sports business and life in general and so the advice that it said was just like prepare them for it beforehand and we did do this because that was our winter um board game olympics but now we do a big like summer um bucket list so fun and part of our summer bucket list this year is we're just going to do the Mills Family Olympics, which will include some video games and some outdoor games as well. So before we started, we kind of had a talk with the kids and we were like, listen, you are going to lose some games and it is okay to be sad about that. But if you throw a fit because you've lost a game, you will automatically be disqualified from the Olympics. <laughs> and and it totally worked. There was not a single tear. It was they, like, amazing. They cope with it. Yeah. Yes. They were allowed to be sad and maybe even a little bit angry, but like mostly like, yeah, you can feel disappointed if you lose. That's okay. But you can't like throw things or, yes. you know, there has to. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay and so to we talked things. to them. It's not okay yes. to take these actions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so we talked about that and there was not a single occurrence where there was issues. And so that's what it said in this article, prepare them for it beforehand. Tell them like, listen, you might win and you might lose. And part of being a good sportsman, having good sportsmanship in these situations is if you win, you don't gloat about it too much. And if you lose, you say good job. And that yes. was the other thing it said was that like, it's unwise to crush a child's spirit by taking the game too seriously. Um, like adults should also not exhibit poor sportsmanship, which yeah. Like, oh, yeah. is sometimes a little because <laughs> no, we just think it's really funny to be like braggy. But yeah, anyways, it, it's it a, is because our family is mm-hmm. weird. <laughs> but um, exactly. So um, but I thought that was encouraging. So don't don't lose to your kids on purpose. Let your oh. kids lose at things every so often I, so they can build character. I'm glad this is backed up by you know at least two articles because <laughs> officially i liked I all right that's that's my yes what's your no oh no you my have a second no yes. is another yes yay <laughs> okay this one i just this is one of the the best parts about seeing my family again was it's the like delighting in your child's every little antic that you just adore about them with people who love them too like like you're like with ben or with my mom or with my sister-in-law um because like you have to hold back a little bit when you just meet someone you can't just be like look at my adorable kids everybody here's all all these pictures (laughs) you know just like social 
understanding tells you not to like throw that in people's faces but it's so fun when you're doing with someone who also loves them that just you're in bond over it and like the specific moment where I was thinking about this as like we're on my our deck with my mom and my sister-in-law and we're just all just Mm -hmm. belly laughing about like uh, my nephew was telling these cute, the cutest stories. He's three, two, and like how about different things, cute things Evie had done, or like how we're so amazed by the different things they can do, and like how capable Aww. Evie is, and how uh, sweet she can be, and the things she says, like "Thank you for spending yeah. this time with me, Aunt," you know, or um, <laughs> you know, like she, the things that come out of her mouth are so cute and like way. It, older than she is so it's like coming from this little body um and it was just such a joy just because you're just remembering all these little memories and then you're just filled with Mm -hmm. love because you love these little kids so much and then you don't worry that it's bothering the other people because they love them so much too and so just like this circle of joy and conversation and belly laughs like I was laughing so hard my like incisions were hurting but it was like worth it (laughs) because I had my gallbladder (laughs) I I think I've said that enough that people know the context of that situation anyway um and it was just it's just lovely it's just lovely to delight and love love for your kids you know um, and then, and then also getting their perspective on the th- little things they love about your kids, yeah. and how, like my dad kind of loved that Evie was always kind of sticking up to him, or like, like not sticking up to him, but like, um, just she's just you know she's just cutely defiant, like no, Papa. <laughs> it was just really fun and lovely, and I love having people like in your life that can, yeah, like you said, just like pour over those cute little things that your kids do that feel maybe like it's braggy or like all of my friends have kids the same age so they're not interested in the fact which it's the it's that nobody blames them for not being interested in the fact that that charlie does this one cute little thing with his arm when he walks or whatever else but when he walks he doesn't even use his arms and it's just and he just started (laughs) walking so it's like oh (laughs) my gosh yes 100 Uh percent so it's having someone else that can just like be totally into and think it's just so adorable or hilarious when your yes. kids do things. Even though every other kid on the planet might do that thing, it does not matter. You're like you want someone else to acknowledge that it's cute. Yes. You know? And like Evie and her nephew are really close in or and her cousin, my nephew. Evie and her cousin are really close in age and so they're adorable together and they have a oh, really yes. neat relationship you know when they're not being toddlers and doing normal toddler things that aren't neat um but uh like if evie gets upset uh her cousin will sometimes just be like i love you and put his hands on hers and it completely calms her down it is the sweetest thing and watching them play together and they're just they're just so he's very chill and evie's a little Mm -hmm. more intense and determined and um which are all going to be great quality they uh-huh. They already are. <laughs> they're great qualities. <laughs> um, they really balance each other very well. But uh, they're really sweet to each other, and they hug each other all the time. And I and the way she says his name is really cute. And oh my gosh, they're just. It was just the best. Just everyone talking about how cute they are together and all their cute antics. And I'm sure mm-hmm. most people know this feeling, whether it's with a spouse or their own moms or 
yeah. whoever. And um, it's just it's just a total joy and love. And I also think that, like, it's hard to find those moments where, like you said, just sitting on the porch and watching the kids, having relaxing time like that with extended family can be so difficult to find, even if you live close together. Because I think when you live close together, a lot of the times you're it's like there's an agenda with getting together, mm-hmm. whether it's a sports game or a birthday. And so, like, things oh, are being yeah. done. But having a vacation together, we've been talking about this my sisters my mom and I like yes renting a cabin in Tennessee for four days because then you get down there and there's all you just have to spend time together you know that's and, perfect it's perfect and that's that what it matters of, those little quality times yes. together yeah, yeah exactly quality so, moments yeah absolutely I think that that's a really sweet point all yeah. right my no this is something that we've like offhandedly talked about quite a few times <laughs> and so um, but I want to I wanted to kind of look into it a little bit. So my no this week is mom brain. Yeah. And I think that mom brain is something we joke about a lot when we are like have a weird moment or um, forget things or just do something silly. I feel like my mom brain is mostly related to verbal things. I forget the weirdest words all of the time. I called Me an too. antelope. I think it was an antelope or it was something like that. I called it a beefalo once because I couldn't remember what it was called. I love <laughs> the random names you call things. The the yard vacuum was the lawnmower. Yeah, yard vacuum I thought that was for like lawnmower. one of the cleverest, like, like, you know, mental... I don't know what you call. I can't think of the words. It's, so this works. That's like a, a brain fart, and that's a that's brain fart. Yeah. Words, or I replace words. I said something really weird. I I used the word zipper instead of. I can't remember what I was talking about though, like a towel. But I said zipper or something. I don't. I feel like my I love mom that brain. it's like working as you're trying to explain. <laughs> it's like coming full circle. Your it mom is. brain is inserting itself as you talk about mom brain yeah. incidents. And and it's like my brain replaces it without me even realizing it. So I'll be like, make sure you get a zipper out of the closet before your shower, and everyone's like towel i'm like what did i say i just like yes oh i do that all the time too yeah yeah every so often it's so bad that it makes me get a little bit worried but um so i wanted to look up because i've heard before that my mom brain is something that's been like scientifically proven it's not us just using this motherhood as an excuse and so i i did a little bit of like like searching Yes. So I did a little bit of searching to see like, okay, what kind of research backs this up? And a lot of the things that they were talking about um, was that once you become a mom, you become more sleep deprived. And so Uh, that can automatically apply to your brain function. So that's just kind of like a blanket starting point is that (laughs) you you get less sleep. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. You get less sleep. And so you automatically your brain is going to not be as functional. Yeah. But um, it was really interesting. There was some like actual hard facts here that were it Ooh. makes me feel better. It makes me feel yes. justified. You know, like there really is I'm a struggling. difference. It's not just. Yes. Age or something. Exactly. Scary. It's yeah. <laughs> it's because your mom instincts literally chemically <laughs> change something in your brain, you know, yes. or just having a baby. Yeah. 
Today.com had this article called Is Mom Brain Real? How Your Brain Changes After Having Kids by Rihanna Murray. And it said that in 2016, European researchers, um, they found that first time mothers had decreased gray matter in the cerebral cortexes of their brains and that those changes lasted for at least two years. It says here that the and I've read this about the gray uh, gray, gray matter in multiple articles that talked about this. Um, it said the fact the changes were so clear and consistent that researchers could tell if a woman had recently had a child simply by looking at her brain scans. Isn't that incredible? Knowing absolutely nothing else about the patient, looking at their brain scans, could t- they could tell wow. if they had recently had a baby or not which i think is just what does it incredible. mean to have less gray matter is it just or something? that's a great point that i didn't i said well isn't <laughs> no, gray okay. matter where all of the like the working neurons are it's Listen, something like I important should, right i should I mean, not be making like up answers to this question <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> we'll do a rewind next time and switch it i'm just like making up at least this isn't math nick <laughs> <laughs> We're allowed um, not yeah, to know I'm about just, this one. <laughs> I'm just making up facts about the brain as I go. <laughs> so it's a bad idea. All right. So the other article was um, Very Well Family, which we've definitely used before. And it's yes. it's called What is Mommy Brain by Sherry Gordon. Um, and so it kind of started out just like a lot of the articles I found talking about like sleep, dep- sleep deprivation and how that can affect it. Um, but then it said... Um, Scientists have discovered that there is definitely more to it than just the sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, there is a neurobiological change in a woman's brain, both during pregnancy and after, which impacts verbal memory specifically. And oh, I know wow. that this might not be that's for everyone. So fascinating. But that stuck out to me because the verbal thing is definitely how I feel yes. like I have been affected after having, I, yeah. after birthing three children. Oh, wow. So, how, um, whatever the word is, because I, I think just talking about not being able to think of words is like making it all worse in my brain right now. <laughs> it's making but, it um, how relieving, how how nice, yes. how confirming, how validating. That's the word. Validating. It is validating it is for you to yeah. see that it's literally the verbal. Yes. Anyway, somewhere I learned, and I think it was a documentary, that being the primary caregiver itself changes mm-hmm. your brain. Like something in the amygdala uh, goes off so that you're more alert. And that's why you wake up easier to the sounds of cries and these things. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing that I remember from this documentary was that you don't just have to be the biological mother adoptive parents or like two adoptive dads whoever Ooh. if they're both primary caregivers and they do a majority of the caregiving which is what a primary caregiver is um <laughs> case anyone was confused um, about my clarification there um their brains will have the same shift it, that it, is and so really interesting yeah. and that's okay. so cool though because adoptive parents you know, they have yes. the same biological brain, certain brain changes. I'm sure not everything a woman goes through because she has the hormones and every. Yeah. But but it's the caregiving part of their brain, I guess, switches into this high mode or whatever. Yeah. Well, I do. Because even if like if if the root cause 
is a little bit of sleep deprivation. That applies no matter if you are a foster parent, an adoptive parent. Sleep deprivation can be seen in anyone who is caring for a child, you know. But I do think Mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting. After we brought Henry home, I had a really incredible Um, discussion with another mom who was in the middle of adopting and she was talking about how she was on medication for um, postpartum and I had had this internal argument with myself because postpartum is supposed to be or at least in my head it was you know it's chemically based from giving birth it's part of the imbalance that happens in your body so why would i have postpartum if i had not actually physically given birth to a child but um anyways it was uh really so just talking about like how your brain can be affected no matter if it's adoptive yes. or however just by whatever taking means on you this use. very very important and intense responsibility of caring for a child and the love too I think um Mm -hmm. and I feel like the way my brain's changed it's mostly for the good caregiving wise it's not always for the good relationship wise because I'm very controlling like I had a very hard time just not saying anything and I would be like okay someone gonna get this and this and this and I'm like oh my gosh Sarah do you hear yourself they all know how to take Uh... care of babies it's fine (laughs) But I like I'm micromanaging, you know, yeah. like or if someone does it differently, I'm just like, that's not how what how it should be done, even though, of course, there are many well, ways to do a task. So one of those articles suggested that um, the mom brain, they think that it could actually be one of those like um, what's the word? It's like your brain is genetically setting itself up to succeed at motherhood. So some of the yeah. changes might actually make you a better parent. But okay, sidetrack. I, I can micromanage better. But yeah. I Googled why is it bad to have less gray matter in the brain? <laughs> to see oh, what it oh, would say. Oh. And it why? said that um various learning and memory problems have been associated with decreased decreased gray matter oh. in particular regions in the brain. Makes I, sense. I don't know. Let me see what this says. How does gray matter affect the brain? Uh function. Gray matter contains most of the brain's neuron neuronal neuronal. Uh, yeah. I've never heard that know. word. I mean, no, I know it goes. It's going with neuron. Neuron, neuron. but it's like neuron with an L at the <laughs> A-L at the end. Neuronal. Whatever. Neuronal. I us go with that one. It's my favorite. <laughs> neuronal cell bodies. Um, the gray matter in- includes regions of the brain involved in muscle control and sensory perception, such as seeing, hearing, memory, emotion, speech, decision-making, self-control. Whoa. So it sounds like wow. it's important. <laughs> <laughs> and we have less of it. So congratulations to us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to your Hello. All right. My hello is my magical gallstones. Well, it's just all my takeaways from going under anesthesia and the things I said to the people. Okay. My anesthesiologist was great. And one of the first things he said was like, um, if I do my job right, you won't even remember my name. And like my immediate thought is like, well, I'm going to remember your name because that's how I work. Yeah. And so, um, so and I just so as he was speaking, telling me important things about anesthesiology, I was like, 
saying his name. I'll make up a name. name. Uh, so he's, I'm not like weirdly saying <laughs> this anesthesiologist's name. Um, John Smith, John Smith, John Smith. I'm going to remember it. Okay. So then I have very fuzzy memories of waking up from anesthesia, kind of panicking and be like, I remember your name. <laughs> and... Uh, and then just like going on about nurses are so amazing. And then I'm like blind. So I don't even know who I'm talking to. And um, and I also had a panic attack and they had to get. OK, drugs. I'm just going on a rant and this has nothing. This isn't even my hello, but I'm going to say it all and I know it'll be. But whatever. Um, <laughs> drugs are scary, but they are also amazing because yeah. she. I'm like, OK, I think I'm panicking. And they're like, you're safe. I'm like, yeah, I'm safe. I'll just breathe. Like. And then I'm like, nope, still panicking. And they're like, okay, do you want mm-hmm. some Ativan, which is an anti-anxiety medication? And they just put it mm-hmm. right into my IV. And then it was like, whoo, and everything is lovely. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> like in two seconds. Like, wow. What a wonderful world. Yeah. It is a kind of amazing <laughs> how they figured out all these things that work with our brains. Yeah. Anyways, my hello. <laughs> Let's go back. Is my magical gallstones. So after having my gallbladder removed, I had this very strange fascination of, I I wish I had asked someone to like take a picture of it and what it looked like and all mm. the gallstones looked like. I just, I was so curious. I want to ask my surgeon when I go see him for a follow up. I don't know why. It just like overtook me. Like there's this piece of me that was literally inside me my whole life. That has now mm-hmm. been like vacuumed out of my belly <laughs> um, through yeah. like a one inch hole. It's just so strange. And now it's gone and I've never seen it. While I've been recovering, I've been watching YouTube videos on, of gla- gallbladder <laughs> surgeries. I've been obsessed. <laughs> and we actually have an acquaintance who works in pathology. And I didn't know what it was until I met him. But that's where they like do chemical stuff to your whatever they biopsy um, just mm-hmm. to make sure it's okay. And they take your organs and basically like inser- insert them with f- formaldehyde. And then where they go, I don't know. Like what do they do with human organs when they're Ooh, gone? Yeah. Great point. Another very interesting thing. Like, do they just go study them? Do they just throw them away? Is there like in toxic waste? Where are my gallstones? Yeah. And so as I was just deeply curious <laughs> about this, I came across <laughs> um, like, and I was fascinated with looking at pictures of gallbladders filled with stones, which is just like creepy. And I came across bezoars or bezoars. I don't know. And I remembered these from Harry Potter because he used them as like an antidote to certain like potions, right? Like poisonous yeah. potions or something. Yeah. Um, and okay, so gallstones in certain animals, not humans, and, and bezoars are, are they're technically separate. Bezoars are like all the undigested material in an animal's stomach, and they come out in these big stones, and um. And then, but some of them can be in the gallbladder and they're, um, they've been, they used to be super, super valuable in like the 16th and 17th centuries because they were used in traditional medicines from, Mm -hmm. it was from like Persia to China to, you know, Great Britain, like Queen Victoria the first had a gall or no, a bezoar ring. And then I came across this guy who had slaughtered a very large pig in China 
and found a bezoar that was like just huge. And um, someone in his city or town told him, you know, those are really valuable. You should go to Shanghai and have it appraised. And so he did. And he learned that it was worth 450,000 pounds in UK, <gasps> in Great, but, you know, Great Britain pounds, which is like um, well over a million dollars in what? Chinese currency. So, so I kind of want my goldstones back, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know. I'm just so curious. Like, do I want them in a jar? What would I do if I had them? (laughs) So bezoars are actually an antidote for arsenic. That's how they came to um, become so valuable. And they're super, super rare. That's so funny, though. You sent me a picture of the um, the big bezoar, whatever, jewel. And I was like, it's so ugly. It's it's, I know, but that's the thing. Like, these things are not so... attractive. Queen, like, I think I said this, Queen Elizabeth I had a ring with a bezoar. A stone but see, now I want a ring with the stone in it so bad, now that you've said that. Because think of the story that you could tell people <gasps> when they're like, oh, that's a really interesting ring. I'd be like, it's my it came gallbladder from stone. It, yes. Yes. Can I do this? Can I make a ring out of my gallbladder stone? Do people It's an do- example it's of like- my poor American diet. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <laughs> Look at all that cheese. What all that like- cheese created? I love cheese. What's- What's the difference between doing that and making a teddy bear out of your the placenta? Your, um, yeah, the placenta. What's they the difference teddy between bears ma- now? You have yes. I saw this. It was either in a magazine or somewhere else because people do listen. If you want to like eat your placenta or whatever, I think that's great. I love that you're yeah, so in tune with your body. By it. Totally cool. Yeah. But there was a business. They you would mail them your placenta. They would dry it out like leather, and then they would sew it together like a teddy bear. So if people can do that, why can't I make my gallstones into a ring that I can wear for the rest of my life, and then one day give to my sons to propose to their future wives with they're only allowed to marry this woman if they accept my gall ball my gall ball my gallstone bladder <laughs> ring it could be a family legacy thing i Very i love this idea dedicated to this yes idea. it's better than a locket <laughs> it runs in the family you can expect this to happen to you and if it does i told you so wear this ring as a reminder i don't want no stupid locket i want a gallbladder stone ring yeah so that's uh, my my very hello. I think so it's wonderful. Now you know. I love it. <laughs> What's All yours right. today? You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is something I've been dying to tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> A few weeks ago, it was like nine thirty at night. My sister um, Emily called me, which like usually that's really late to be calling anyone my sister like we text if we yeah. need anything so I answered really curious about what was going on and she was just she just said um tomorrow at one of the antique stores downtown and our town is apparently kind of known for antique stores and there are a lot but we grew up with them so I didn't realize it was unusual until later in life oh yeah but they're all over the place in our town and so she was like listen they're going out of business they're having an antique auction last time I went you would you could buy entire displays for less than ten dollars you should come check it out with me so sad um, but incredible so I was like yeah, so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 come check it out and see what happens. Yeah, I spent like seven hours there, and it's amazing. It sounds like and, heaven. I love antiques. 
It was amazing. I feel like it would be very easily er, this it would be very easy for this to turn into a very dangerous pastime of mine i had to choose not to follow the auctioneer on facebook because i can't know when they're doing any in our area because it could just get so dangerous let me tell you about this so we okay. show up pretty early and you you register and you get a card with a number and it's oh, really fun. exciting i've never been to an auction yes me neither so i so i i wanted to see quite a few like before we did anything I wanted to make sure that I wasn't like breaking any faux pas or you know you want to make sure you're doing it right what I loved was that it was not like a stage and you're sitting down and they bring things up there she walks around the store and you kind of follow her um and everything was placed in boxes and she basically sold things by the box and so it wasn't like it's like here's a bunch of Yes, exactly. But it, but it was all antiques and you could see everything that you were getting. It was amazing. Nice. So once I realized what they were doing, my sister and I, we walked around and kind of like, OK, I want this. I'm interested in this, whatever, whatever, whatever. So the stuff we wanted was like the third or fourth row, which was later on in the day. But we stuck around for the whole thing. It was so fun. I I wish I that this. Nick could have come with me because I think he would have actually really enjoyed himself. Um, yeah. And so we what we had our eyes on were things like there were entire sets of vintage fine china and tea sets oh, and gosh. silver silverware and old Christmas decorations oh. and Gorgeous mid-century glassware. And I mean, it was unbelievable. That sounds amazing. I got... I love it. I... One of my favorite parts, I'll tell you in a minute what I spent on some things because it still blows my mind. But my favorite part was coming back and then the next day looking at all the actual price tags on everything. Yes. And seeing how much... So satisfying. So, yes. So, like I said, everything was by the box. Oh, and when I walked in, Emily had already been there. I have a BFA in photography. So, my degree is actually in photography. And my... I'm obviously, Sarah, you know this, but anyone who's mm-hmm. listening out there might not. Yeah. And um, my last year... When I graduated was one of the last years that they were doing a lot of film classes. So, like, we learned... I learned a lot of stuff in a dark room. I can use Photoshop and all that, but the majority of my major was done in a dark room with film so I have this real passion for film cameras I like just they're so gorgeous so I have a small collection of film cameras I get there and there is an entire display I bet there were 200 film cameras and video cameras and everything else and so and my sister got there before me she was like listen you have to go check out this one corner. It's all boxes and boxes and boxes of cameras. I got two and a half boxes, boxes of cameras, like film cameras and vintage camera recorders where you turn the knobs to take for like $35. So that was my first big win. I was really excited. And then we got to all of the um, like dining ware and cups. I got entire sets of actual china for three dollars three dollars for a box of 12 plates and salad plates that match they were priced at ten dollars a plate this is a dream <laughs> it doesn't sound I real i love i love everything I antiques this is amazing 
it was incredible. I got a set of these gorgeous black and gold mid-century glasses that are like, they're so beautiful. Also for $3 because no one else was interested except for like me, my sister and two other people. And there were so many options that we'd be like... Can they'd we do start stories just on your finds? Like just do all. It was incredible because then cameras, they got to yeah. all these tea sets. So I got two of them. One of them is a hand painted gold tea set, three dollars, because nobody would up the bid past three bucks. I got Jeez. so I got two tea sets. I got an entire box of actual silver, like this silver tray, two silver teapots. You could sell that silver, online for. Yes. Real, um, just real silver, silver, just like melted yeah. down. I mean, it's um, it like a sugar thing and a cream thing. And then another display thing, the whole box I got for five bucks. And so now Ava and I have been like polishing all of it. It's so fun. Yes. Um, the cameras, there to was a what. ton. Uh, there was a ton of Christmas stuff. I mean, we had so much fun. I got artwork. So um. I have three original cross stitching, a strawberry and two flowers that I got for five bucks each. Yeah, it was just it was find after find after find. We had so much fun. I got I mean, I could just like an old painted chair. I got all of these old like TV trays that are gold and green with painted flowers on them. So I put all of a lot of our plants are now on those in all of the different rooms. You'd actually get in a bidding war with someone. And then the adrenaline, I would keep looking at my heart rate and it was never under 105 the whole time. Your <laughs> adrenaline was just like, so after you Ooh, win a few fun. things after a bidding war, I was like, I'm just, I'm just chasing that high now. <laughs> this is really yes, unhealthy. Totally. But, oh yeah. I can see how it could become like a, oh, I just spent way too much money. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so that's my hello. I was just like, I've been waiting to I tell you about it because it was so much fun. As we wrap up today's episode, we want to hear from you. Email us at lumpymotherpodcast at gmail.com and tell us. Do you do have weird fascinations with your organs that are missing? Do you <laughs> Um, you know, what are some of your favorite? Would you wear a ring with your gallstone? Yeah, would you wear a <laughs> ring reminding you of your love of cheese? <laughs> um, and sweets and also your familial history of gallbladder disease. <laughs> I don't know. Apparently it's valuable. Um, I think I, I would I would wear it. If you like what you heard today, there are a few really important things that you can do to help others find us. Uh, make sure that you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. Rate and review us, which is huge. And um, definitely share us with someone else who you think might enjoy our show. Yes. And don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Lumpy Mother Podcast. And on Twitter, you can find us at Lumpy Mother Pod One. And make sure to join us next Tuesday to see what motherhood has in store for our lives and yours. Bye!